I don't moonlight as a rapper. My jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a problem team new life and attractors. Just sipping that moonshine and a flask. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Moonlighters Club. Joel Edwards here, and we got a special guest. They're all special, but this one proves that networking works, and there is good in social media. So I like everyone to meet Michael Schulke from Lost Without Japan, which we're definitely going to get into. It's going to be the focus of this. Hey, Mike. Good to so so good to be here today, Joel. I, and I agree with you about the networking. You know, sometimes things happen for a reason, and uh, getting to connect to, with you is definitely one of them. Yeah, I, yeah, same. I, and how it came to be is I was scrolling through Instagram, and I, I like to find any kind of creators. When I'm, I always, I'm always finding for people to work with or interview, and so I get lucky where I just find people who like specific things. And I saw Blast Without Japan, and it hit a, it hit a chord because I've been uh, Japan's one of those places I have to get to. It's number one on my list. It has been for a while. I got to Vietnam, so I connected in Japan. So that was the closest I got. <laughs> but I was going to go in before we knew what COVID was. A friend of mine were like, "We're doing it. We're doing it. Twenty twenty is Japan year." That did not happen. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it didn't happen. And then twenty twenty one rolls around. I'm like, "All right, maybe this year." And I just feel like the timing didn't work. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not even leaving the country until I go to Japan. So that's going to be like my number one thing is the next time I go, it's going to be Japan. That is it. And I'm going from there. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Good goal. Good goal. (laughs) Yeah. So Michael, where are you from? So moved around a lot growing up. was born in Georgia in a town that had a stop sign. And if you blinked and missed that stop sign, like you were out of it, you know, moved to Tennessee, moved to Kentucky, was out near Boston and Gary, New Hampshire for a bit, been in Chicago, all around it, different, you know, burbs, cities for that time. But this is the longest I've lived in any one, one area. So I guess it's the closest I could call to home, you know, cool. for that time. Yeah. Did, where'd you finish like your quote unquote formative years where like high school and all that stuff? Was that that Chicagoland area? Yes. Yes. I was, I was very fortunate because I knew I wanted to go into teaching yeah. as one of my professions, you know, for things that's here. And luckily where I'm at has a school that's known for producing great teachers and things like that. So that ended up leading out to be my major. And then I was even able to follow that up with a master's in administration, stuff like that, you know, all in the same area, so it was good. What got you into teaching? How'd you? Yeah, what, what was the what was the trigger? Really, was moving constantly. Like every year, year and a half, I was in a new city for the longest time. Because unfortunately and fortunately, my dad was good at his job. So whenever he fixed a sales area, they would move him to an area mm. that wasn't working, and he'd fix that area, and they would move him. And every time I moved to a new city, the first person that made me feel comfortable was the, the teachers that I came in mm. contact with. And man, I, I wanted to give that back a hundred times over. So I knew early in high school that that's what I wanted to do. I always liked the idea of teaching. I always wanted to teach history when I was younger, just because of when it, when it works well, it works. When you're in a great environment like that, you never forget those. So I could totally understand that. Where did you go to? Where did you go to school once you graduated high school? Where were you at? A North Central College, and that's right, right here in Naperville. So I was fortunate that my commute was shorter than my community school. I did the two years of saving money yeah, before going into the university, and it's probably one of the best decisions I made. <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world, and this isn't like this isn't bashing anything. But yeah. I went to community college. I went back to school in Boston, but I went. I went, I was in and out of school, in and out of college in Minnesota. Got serious at a school called Hennepin Tech, which was like 
great. It was a great way to figure out if I was serious. And it was so tiny that you get to know everyone. So it was like personal. And then when I moved to Boston, like in just as like a, a, a frame of reference, all those schools are private. So, yes. which makes no sense to me. Boston's like the suburb of education. All the schools are private. So like you're at, like you're seeing tuitions go from 28K low. It's like a deal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, like people paying over 40 grand. So I, no, that's, that's, I, I totally understand. Where did you go? For your master's, was that in the same area? It was. There's a Saint University of Saint Francis, and they had a deal at the time with my school district where that made the masters somewhat more affordable. And I don't know, like about you, but you, you know, I see things. You know, like you're in an environment, you're seeing things, and there's things that you feel you could do better, or you have experiences that are negative. And I saw administration as a possible route where I could make like an additional difference. Yeah. But, you know, that was one of those things. I did that for about two and a half years. And after that, I figured I liked the impact I was making, you know, with the children on a, a more positive light on a regular basis. So nice. made that that made that move back. So where what great? Like where 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 was your focus when you were teaching? So I thought when I started off that I was like, man, I'm going to teach fourth grade because that fourth grade teacher for me, yeah. you know, like fourth, fifth, so impactful elementary school and things. And fortunately, I got to meet a gentleman called Don Smith who taught here in Naperville. And he's since retired, but a huge impact for me. The way he interacted with kids, the relationships he made is something that I still strive for 20 years in. And he sat down with me and probably one of the best conversations I've had in my life. And he goes, Mike, what is it that you want to do in teaching? And I said, Don, I, I want to teach fourth grade the rest of my life, no doubt about it. And he goes, I, I see that you are taking a lot of art classes. And I go, yeah. He goes, why are you doing that? I said, well, Don, I'm like, if I put my art class first, I show up. And then I'm there for every other class that's, you know, after and he's like, you ever thought about teaching art? And I was like, not really. I said, I was so focused on, you know, fourth grade, definitely going to be it. And he's, he said to me, he's, Mike, I can respect that. I have no doubt that you're going to do this. But he said, from a guy who's about to retire in a few years, get that art endorsement. And I did. I listened to him and fortunate too, because I've taught th third, fourth and fifth gifted accelerated did two and a half years of administration, but the last nine have been teaching elementary art. And I got to tell you, Joel, this is the most difference I've made in students' lives have come from teaching art and getting kids for six years, kindergarten through fifth grade. I wouldn't trade this for a million years. Wow. What, what is it about the, yeah, what is it about art that where you can see those things happen, where you can see different, because I'm, I'm, I know it's there, but I, I, that's really intriguing. I don't think kids are taught to be creative. Like it's so focused on tests and when the next test is and teaching to a test and kids are under so much stress, the safe areas that they have at school are just less than yeah. you know, I felt growing up. But the art room, like I get them when they come in in kindergarten and I start off by welcoming them and I say, hey, I said, welcome my artists. And they're, they're like, you know, you get the kids that are in kindergarten. They're like, we're not artists. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I sorry, I, I, you didn't know? They're like, no, what? And I'm like, as soon as you step through this door, you're an artist. And we're going to be working for the next six years to make you a better one. And I just keep on repeating that to them. And they start believing it. And they 
become so proud of what they do. And each year that compounds. And I've got to tell you, Joel, like I've had these kids for their whole career, but the, those kids, when I started telling them they were an artist, I are fifth and fourth grade now and what they are producing and how they feel about themselves and the art they're creating. It's inspirational, man. It, it's just everything that I could ever hope. And it's something I'm going to keep on using like, you know, again and again and again. It's, it's, it's so great that you say that because kids, like when we were younger, kids are just wild. They're creative. They are creative. You're basically taking something and just confining it. Like I, 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 I like to play, I don't game a lot, but I like to play video games occasionally. And you notice that like I went to school, like my, my track was mostly like business stuff. So like when you're doing things that have creativity, you tend to try to stay within the lines, color within the lines. And I find that most solutions when I play video games come from just doing things that you don't think you're supposed to be doing, like walking to different areas. Art, basic, the creativity side of it, the art side of it tells you to do that. And you're absolutely right. I think we train people to, I mean, we all know this. We train people to be employees. But you get better results when people have the ability to freestyle, to think outside yeah. of the box. And it makes a huge difference. And my administrator that I have right now is a huge difference as well. I told her if she ever left our building, I said, I need to follow you because she is 100% behind supporting you. And my classroom is very open. The kids get to choose what they're doing, like what art supplies that they're working with. I leave it very open because I'm like, if they're buying into what they're doing, I'm going to get better results from what they have, you know, and all of that and having a support from an administrator that will have your back because it's not the common art classroom for some of them that you come into where it's a very... We're going to do this and everybody's going to do this. And next week we're going to do this and everybody's doing the same thing, but giving them that freedom and that buy-in and the creativity they have and telling them that it's okay to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Like you have kids that like that have issues with other teachers in the normal classroom, but when they come into art, I don't. Because you give them some a safe place to be like, man, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. But I can point out what you're doing as well. And if you create that environment where other kids are also pointing out what they're doing well, that like self-worth self that they get, man, it's just amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the best. I mean, we'll get into this now, but starting anything like I, this podcast, the like I continuously update the website and i look back on like what i did in the past and you look at it you're like oh my god i'm an idiot <laughs> like, like this is ugly this is gross but if that's what it's supposed to be that's what's supposed yes. to happen you're supposed to grow like it's things are supposed to not be good at first and they're supposed to be gross at first or at least not what you had in mind for the final that's fine and then you're like oh man my wording is better everything's different it's it's such it's so so rewarding so rewarding to see something kind of grow over time because when you those other classes it's always about getting it right in the moment get this get this answer right or do this right and you're like oh I don't want to go to work and you know screw something up and you're like, that's that's the only way we're gonna get better so no I, I, I I'm totally with that I reinforce that so now we got to get into you got to get into Japan. I see you with your Tokyo jersey, and I need to know about where this idea came from. So, Lost Without Japan has been a big, big project of mine because it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. I'm sure you've been inspired by other podcasts and things that you listen to, other creatives and things like that. 
And my interaction with Japan began when I was with my dad. He worked for Bridgestone. He was in Japan. He traveled there. And he would bring back stories and pictures of just a totally foreign environment. He brought back some of the early Transformers that I wish I still had, you know, different things that if I, when we lived in Kentucky at the time, things that I wouldn't have experienced, didn't know about. And that just kind of lit a, lit a fire underneath me. And then I'm into anime, you know, and that was a big thing like Hayao Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli. I was watching fan subs on VHS that I bought you know, from a comic book store that shouldn't be selling these things. And that was like my reinforcement. And in 2004, I was super fortunate that I was selected to be a part of Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund. And I was able to go. They selected two teachers from each state to go to Japan for a month. And we got to go through elementary schools, high schools, colleges and things. And we we're there for a month. And the whole thing after we left was their focus for us was like, give back. You know, they basically spent $30,000, I think, per person to be there. They're like, just keep talking about Japan. Keep sharing Japan. That's all we're going to ask for. And I made my first trip back in 2017, went by myself, and it just further reinforced that, like, this is my happy place. I found it. And I've wanted to, like, every, like, I don't know about you, but like, you talk to people, and some people haven't been out of the state, they haven't been out of the country, and they think that Japan is so foreign or so exotic that there's no way possible that they're going to get there in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. It must be expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, it must be expensive. There's no way I can afford to go there. And I, I was like, no, man, you can get there. If I, a single dad, two kids can get there, you can get there. And that's kind of what led to the beginning of the episode, like lost and lost without Japan. And my focus is just telling people, here's what you need to go. This is how you can go. And it doesn't matter. We talk about like a savings account, just setting up a separate savings account. I don't care if it's five bucks a month, what it is. You're going to get there eventually. And each week we've been adding on to that. Now we're starting to cover different cities in Japan. And I'm trying to do that research for you. I spend two weeks of intense research <laughs> before I do my episodes. And I want somebody to be able to listen and be like, I want to go to Osaka. I can listen to these episodes. I've got links that are on that page that I shared, the, the Google Doc and things for timestamp of where that is. I've created Google Map locations for people so that they know exactly what they need to go to. Like I'm trying to cut down all the work so you can just select what you want to do and go have like one amazing time. I didn't get a passport until my wife. It's like 2015 or so, yeah. but I traveled a ton within the States. International travel, it's just the thought of like borders that can, well, that freaked me out. You're just, you just think it's this whole thing, right? And in terms of cost, I know that always comes up in my mind. But to me, it's like it's prioritizing and like doing things in chunks. Like there are things you're not going to go without that aren't necessities. There are things yes. that pe we treat ourselves to. And I just think of travel as something you can do incrementally. Like just like instead of spending something on something impulsive, like just put a little bit away, you know, for this. And also it's not as hard or as expensive as, especially now. As, yes. as, as you know, people think like the flight, the big thing for me is lodging, but there's options from lodging. There's options with flights, so many more options now. Um, 
there there are countries that are cheaper and more expensive, but you just kind of just really have to rush out. What do you really want to do? So that's that's one thing I'll say. Like I've been able to go like, when we went to Vietnam, it was like that. The 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 just learn. Okay, here's where I can stay. Here's where I don't want to stay. Here's where I like. Here's where I don't like. And this is how you do it. So it's not it's not that tough. For me, like I, when I went back in 2017 by myself, two weeks of Airbnb, 450 bucks, that's Joel. Nice. Like you know, for two weeks. Awesome. Now I was reaching out in Tokyo and touching the walls on both sides of the apartment I was sleeping in. But like, all you really need, yeah. like, is a place to lay down at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. How'd you do by? <laughs> How'd you do on the flight? I got to tell you, that is not a, it's not a highlight of the trip at all. <laughs> so like when I went, I'm, I'm planning to go this upcoming summer with my son, mm-hmm. if we're allowed to. It's looking like it might be July for when they open up. We have tickets for June. We're going to try to adjust what we can, yeah. but I paid for flights, paid for my things. But one thing I know that I'm not looking forward to is that flight. So that, um, when we go back, like we, I've had layovers in Korea, you know, that have been like six, eight hours. You're in the air for 12 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And coming back, I've started going to where I spend that little bit of extra money for just that little bit of extra leg room. Yeah. Try to get an aisle, try to stand. And man, it's it, it's it's not the highlight, but the payoff on the other side of things, it's that it, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. It's uh, when we went to Vietnam, that was we flew from Boston. We were living in Boston time. And at first it would trip me out as the fact that you're going the other way. So you're going yes. back across Canada. That was fourteen hours. That one was actually not that wasn't that one wasn't the worst like i get really anxious on planes at the point of where like I, I used to be scared of flying now i just get restless yes but i downloaded every movie in existence and you know the food we we took japan airlines which is i'm not there's no way i'm going back without not i'm not i'm doing that like i need to be on japan airlines so the service was amazing that was fine on the way back i think it was harder probably just I don't know. You just be traveling for a while. Like ours, we went to Japan and then connected to Vietnam. And they, my American ignorance showed up. So I'm like, wait, this is an eight-hour flight. They're not like right next door. <laughs> like, no. Going up. <laughs> but uh, it was a uh, it, – it's not – you just have to prepare yourself. Like you can you, you can just get get a ton of movies and books and just like read or sleep or whatever. It It's more – it sounds daunting, but it you're right. Yes. It is worth it. When you get off the plane, you're like, oh, my God, this is a different place. And you find things like the noise canceling headphones are like a non-negotiable, man. You need those headphones. And then I ended up getting like cooling towels. Nice. So that you just get some water from them. You know, you put it in, wrap it around you. Just so like I had had one one incidence where I was in airline. I've done different Korean airlines as well. Their service just as good as like your JAL and stuff. But I had one flight that I couldn't adjust the air. Couldn't move it from where it was pointing to, and it wasn't pointing on me. Oof. And after that experience, I was like, "No, no, no, no! Bring something else. Help myself." But it is. It's you know, bringing movies. My son's going with me. We're gonna bring our switches and yeah. play oh, yeah. just whatever, just you know, anything you can to pass the time. Yeah, switches. The, the, the switch invention was amazing. That's yeah. That'll that'll be super <laughs> helpful. I remember there was. We're, I'm ready to go, and we we did the lounge thing. It was for like the honeymoon. So, you know, we're just relaxed. And there was a guy who almost missed the flight. Gets on. We're all bored. He gets on. All He's got like a t-shirt. He had his phone. And that's it. And I'm like, he's going to make it? <laughs> he, like, he was fine. He slept. He woke up when the food came out. He just like, well, I guess he's one of those people who kind of shut his brain off and just chill, you know? Yes. But, uh, when, so 
you're flying first time. What is it like when you get out that airport and you're looking at like when you get to a city? Did you start in Tokyo? Was that your first city on this trip? So they say Tokyo. That's one of those those lies <laughs> that, that's there. Like I flew into Narita yeah. and Narita is not Tokyo. I mean, that's like me being in Chicago and being down in Springfield, like the opposite end of the state yeah. and saying that I'm in Chicago. But when you we I was very fortunate on my first my first trip to be with that Japan Fulbright group because they took care of everything. You know, you had a person with a sign with your name. They transported you. They got you to your hotels. They did everything that was there. But I have all my pictures from that. And even when I went in 2017, every time I go, Joel, it's that same reaction, that same excitement. But that first time I stepped out and saw cars that looked different, I went to a vending machine. It was super excited to use like a vending machine and have something, you know, different Bakari sweat was like my first drink that I had there. And I was geeking out, man, like everything I looked at, everything that was there. It was like, I finally arrived and it was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So, man. So how many, when you went that first, you know what, let's talk about the time you went by yourself. Cause that's, that, that sure. that's because now I feel like you're, this is you, you're coming into, this is your happy place. So yes. you'd been there before. Was it, yes. You know, you get there. Did you feel confident and comfortable with your surroundings, you know, getting into your first place? That was my first trip internationally by myself. So I had nerves. But Japan is such a safe country. If you're going to pick a country to go to for the first time and not have to worry, like, about your luggage or yourself or being mugged (laughs) or, like, you know, worried that nobody's going to help you. Like, this is your country to start with. So I was nervous, but I was fortunate that you you need people to support you. And my dad, I talk to him every day. He support so supportive and still pushes me to this day. But I was talking to him back in 2016 and prices really dropped. It was $870 for a round trip to, to Japan. Like, that's nothing. Yeah, you got to do that. So I, I was talking to him and I said, hey, it's 870 bucks. If I do this, can you take the kids? And, you know, you and Taika, my stepmom, can you, like, take them? And I'm thinking about going. And he's and he paused me after he's done. He goes, Mike, that's exciting. He goes, but... You've talked about this a few times. So are you actually going to go this time or are you going to like continue to talk about going? And I said, well, dad, I, I really think I, I might possibly. And he's like, might possibly. He goes, this is this is if you can have those people and you're fortunate enough to have this. My dad's like, Mike, here's my credit card. Go buy your go buy your airfare. He goes, you never do anything for yourself. You're doing things for your kids all the time. He goes, go buy your airfare. And he goes, now you got to figure out the trip. You're going. And that that was just huge. Like, I'm very fortunate. I feel very blessed to be in that. But my dad's like, you never ask us for anything. You never ask for money. You never do anything. He goes, consider this like you haven't not asked us for anything for a while. <laughs> and so I, I went out there, stepped out, and did all my research ahead of time. Yeah. Found out like Google Maps, Apple Maps, whatever you want to use, like your things that's there. But I stepped out and I was nervous, but man, I was so confident about like knowing I was going to have the time of my life there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You do need a little bit of that when you travel. Just just do it. 
just do it. Yes. Get out there. It's yeah. I, I think if you if you're traveling like that, you just have to be comfortable with you. There are times where I'm alone internationally, and then I just like walking around. I'm fine. Yes. Like I like walking yes. around and just looking at stuff that I don't have back home. What are your some What were some of your favorite activities to do when you were up? So when I went there, I had some things that were just like my non-negotiables that I I wanted to go back and see. Tokyo, of course, was one of them. I went to Osaka, Kyoto, and Hiroshima. And one of the things I wanted to do. I'm a big baseball fan. Love baseball. I had to catch a game there. That was one of my non-negotiables. So that was out in Osaka that I caught my the game. And we were able to see a past Cubs player, Gome, who was still playing for the team. Nice. Like, so I was able to go see him play in person. But probably the one thing that stood out to me the most was my trip to the Peace Museum in Hiroshima. And that was super high up on my uh, like wanted-to-do list. Because when I was back with Fulbright, I was fortunate enough to meet, to be able to listen to a Hiroshima survivor yeah. and his talk of the bombings, those things that day. And I was like, when I come back, I'm going to go. And I went and that experience is one of those experiences. Like if you make it to Japan and you like going to that museum is something I think like everybody should do. And I only lasted about, I want to say like 35 minutes, Joel, like, I was fine to a point, but you get to a point where they're showing artifacts and they're talking about people that were lost. And man, I got to a girl and they were talking about her and it just hit me with my own daughter, with my own kids having that. And I was like, I can't, I'm done, you know, like I just emotionally so impacted you know, I think what it was looking to is there. And I walked out of the museum just in a haze and I was walking along and just thinking about all this and just being there and knowing what happened. And I stumbled across a gentleman's place called Good Time and it's Good Time Funari that's there. And at that point, it was towards later in my trip. And I love Japanese food, but there's a time when you're traveling on your own and I, I just want something from yeah. home. And being in that situation was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I do like want something from home. And I walking along and this guy in the windows things was had hot dogs. And I'm like, hot dogs? I'm from Chicago. <laughs> like go halfway around the world. And yeah, I want to, you know, this sounds great. A hot dog and a beer. And it must have been that haze I was in because the guy was being interviewed. Interviewed like on camera. And I'm like, man, if he's being interviewed. This must be a great place. So like I went in and sat down at this guy's restaurant as he's being interviewed. And I'm like, what, what What was I thinking? And the guy came over, like paused the interview. He's like, you know, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm just looking to have like, a, you know, grab these spicy dogs, a beer, just something. And he's like, no worries. Made the food for me. We spoke through like Google Translate. Because uh, he he spoke like very little English. I speak very little Japanese and uh, made me feel welcome. And he went back and forth from this interview, made me three different hot dogs, three different meals, all this beer. He was surprised at how much I ate. He still talks to that to this day. Like, you know, you ate so much food. <laughs> it's like, But he made me feel so welcome. And I found like a place where it was just I was able to work through everything that I had been through. And it turns out later, and this just speaks to the Japanese as a whole. Joel, he wasn't even open yet. Wow. He wasn't even open. He wasn't even, like his restaurant was about to open 
that's why he was being interviewed. So there I am. <laughs> like, you know, I felt so stupid after the fact that I apologize. He's like, no, you know, he's like, no worries, no anything. But I went back in 2019 and that was one of the places I went to meet him and one of his friends. And our each time we go, that group of people that hangs out is even bigger. And when I go back with my son, like they're already ready to meet him and have us enjoy each other. And it's just like creating that long-term friendship with somebody just by chance of walking in and going through. And I'm like, anybody that goes to Japan, I feel like you have that chance too, just to, you know, create something long-term. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome story. I, uh, they are so nice. It's, 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 I, yeah, it's just unfathomable. Like when I, when we went back to Boston from Vietnam, we had to, we, we flew into Narita. We had to connect to Haneda or other way around. I can't remember. So we were freaking out. And, because that's how, like, we one of my wife's friends helped us book the tickets. So we're like, we're going to miss this flight. But apparently people do it all the time because it was like a three-hour window or something like that. So we, while we're on the plane, we getting ready to land the first airport. They step up to like, hey, Joel, Shanae, you're connecting to the other airport. We're wait, we'll be waiting for you when you get off the plane. Get off the plane. They give us all our stuff. We'd already bought our bus tickets prior, just kind of being prepared. But they were like, did you get your bus tickets? Because yeah. we'll show where, where you, you, you'll go to buy it. Took care of us. Got us everywhere we needed to go. Walked us through the entire process. And the nicest, they make everything so easy. But they're the, 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 the sweetest people on earth. Like, it's just, it's, it's unreal. Because I, I was able to be that tour guide for my friend group when we went in 2019. There was like seven of us that went. And I ran them through everything. And they're like, man, I'm so thankful to have yeah. you. Like, you know, to get us through, you know, from place to place. But, you know... Like back in 2017, I got lost as Tokyo is huge. Yeah. Like their, their, their train station. I don't like it. I'm just going to throw that out. If I can avoid being there, I will do it. But Tokyo station's huge. I had somebody walk me. I was in the wrong platform. Couldn't get cell signal. You're so far underneath. They saw I was lost. They walked me 45 minutes to the opposite end of the station to get me on the correct platform for the correct train and got made sure I got on. And then I know they had to walk 45 minutes back to get to their train to where, you know, they needed to. But like you have those occurrences again and again and again. Yeah, that's awesome. So explain the what Lost Without Japan is for those who don't know. We, we, we talked about it previously just a bit. But hey, let's get into that. So the first episodes for Lost Without Japan are really like my goal is to get people to Japan. And if you could use my podcast as just getting anywhere you want internationally, that's great, too. I think you could. But it's really to get people to Japan for the first time or to make that second, third, fourth trip even better. And that's really the focus of the podcast. And right now I'm in the middle of talking about Osaka. And it's going to be a three, possibly four part series where the first half of the episode is sharing something about Japan. Like recently I talked about coffee and right now I'm in the midst of talking about lodging and breaking it up between episodes of different lodging types in Japan and then giving people some pricing, you know, like how much does it cost to stay in Japan? What are some restaurants I might be able to go to? And Joel, man, I spend so much time reading through reviews and researching those places before I put them on to try to give as much information to them. But like, that's the goal. It's just to get you there. And if you've been before, I still think you could listen to me and have that, like, I can take things from whatever it is 
and make that next trip better. Could you see yourself? I, I am. I am, Joel. Like, <laughs> I'm going to move there. It's just a matter of when because I have four. I could teach here for another 14 years and then take that retirement with me. I said, but I'm beginning to seriously question that from a standpoint of like, why? Like, I may, you know, end up doing that, but like, why not go sooner? And um, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, in five years or whatever it is that's here. But like, if you teach in Japan for 10 years or have a job in Japan for 10 years, you're into their retirement system and you're into their medical just for teaching for, you know, like 10 years there. So that's really something where I'm like, let's go do this. And if I'm going to do it, let's get, you know, get my retirement from here and figure out something from there. But I could, I'm definitely going to live there at some point in time. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm always this way with people I interview, do it, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, we, there's so many things that I wish I would have done there, like, or done earlier. And sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm doing it. I, uh, this individual I work with, the company I'm at now, which the company is pretty much remote. Most people are from Massachusetts. And this in, this person grew up in Mass, has lived in, you know, New York, a couple other places, but decided to try a move to Europe first, I think it was Spain, just to see what it was like. And then after Spain, got to Korea and South Korea. Gave themselves some time to kind of see if they were going to do it. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's different. His friends out there, which helped, but you, as you've made some connections yeah. out there, but yeah. you could never see him moving back. He's just enjoying it. And I, I, I feel like the things I always worried about, and I, I, I think about moving abroad too. It's like the things I, I worry about mainly is just like football, watching football and like family. But I'm like, <laughs> I think you'll figure out ways to keep in touch because you do yes. have to live your life for yourself for one. I think we only get one of these things. Why not? Why not yes. try this yes. thing out and see where it takes you? You can always go back. Like you can't, you know? A hundred percent. And and my that's I think where it comes into your support group just being there. And my dad, man, is huge in my life. And my dad and my stepmom are such positive influences and they keep on me. And they're like, So Mike, how's that how's it going? And they, they found somebody in Vegas. They were talking to a guy that said he was teaching out in Japan. Got me his contact info. He teaches for the U.S. government, but he teaches on base, but lives off base for the military Mm -hmm. and gave me all of that. And they're like, here's another option for you. And then there's some gentlemen that helped inspire me with like my show. There's there's multiple podcasts, but one of them was one of the contacts I made is through Japan 2.0, another podcast. They're kind of like the back, you know, different things where it's like different things about Japan, like your subculture, not like your typical things you'd hear about. But they both teach at a international school. And that's two more contacts that I've made from just, you know, life and things happening for you. And they're like, hey, when you're ready, reach out to us, you know, and we'll, we'll help you along, too. And it's, it's one of those things as things begin to snowball. I'm like, definitely, you know, this is going to be something that happens. And it's just a matter of with my kids, my daughter's going into high school next year. And my son is in, you know, out and in college now himself. And when I feel like both of them are in a spot where they're like, you know, okay, they're good. I can support you from afar, but you're where you need to be. I think that's when I'm going to end up going. And um, I'm trying to talk my daughter right now into going like, you know, honey, I think Japan would be a great place to go to (laughs) school. 
like after high school. They they have great art programs out there. I'm just saying. Yeah. And then my my son, I'm doing like like son, you know, you're going through school and stuff. You're going to be done. Maybe you want to go live in Japan for a little bit before you begin your life and have that more international experience. But yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm religious, but I also believe like. I'm, I'm religious, but I also believe in just like in like there's something out there. I feel like the universe is telling you what you need to do. You know, like you get yes. you get these. You're like, all right, all right. You know, so I, I really, I'm hoping you get there. I know you'll get there. You know, so yes, uh, I gotta get there, and I'm gonna reach out to you. We gotta do Japan. I gotta, we gotta, I, I gotta get out there. I, I, I'd, I'd love it, my friend. I said like anybody to get out there, and I feel like you're doing the same thing that I'm looking to do, which is like if you put out positive into this world. And what you're trying to do, like, it's going to come back to you. And you don't know when, you don't know how, but it's going to come back to you. And I, I feel like uh, you and I are at some point in time going to be meeting in Japan, yep. you know, and sharing a drink We're together. Put so. in existence. Michael, this, is, <laughs> this has been great. I really appreciate this. I, I've been, there's a new show on Netflix called, I think it was, was it Asian Mid- Midnight Asia or something like that? It's like, uh, yeah, I don't even, I'm not even going to watch it because I'm just going to get angry. I'm not, I'm just like going to bookmark it <laughs> until I have the trip figured out and booked. I'm not yes. touching any content and then I'm just going to go crazy with it. So I'm going to keep you posted. We'll definitely be in touch regardless. For those listening, Lost Without Japan, download it. Seriously. Like I've gotten a taste of Japan in the airport. It's, there's nothing like it. Like you gotta, you gotta get there. I gotta get there. We all gotta get there. We all gotta see it. Travel. There's a way to do it. Lost Without Japan is the way to do it. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Joel. And and Mike, for people that are looking to just connect and things like that, my Instagram, like that Lost Without Japan is the way to to do it. And like the anything I can do to help you in getting there, any questions I can. And we're building a nice community of people that are like that support group and that like follow up with people and, and people are sharing, hey, my loss without Japan, like, you know, my, my, my travel savings account is building up. Here's some things that I purchased. Here's some things I'm looking for for the show, but reach out to me and I will be there for you for sure. Nice. I'll be reaching out. I gotta, I, I'll find a supporter because I want in. I want in. Uh, yeah. But Michael, thank you so much for everyone who's listening. Thank you for your time. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back with more until next time. See you.